Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Exodus chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to, the, to water their father's flock. But some shepherds came and drove them away. Moses got up and came to their defense and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Raoul, he said, How is it that you have come back so soon today? They said, An Egyptian helped us against the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why did you leave the man? Invite him to break bread. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage. She bore a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-12 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had, not, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so, so that though they, may, they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. Good morning and welcome to the third Thursday of Eastertide. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. 
This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 23, which we, uh, I think we heard not too long ago, and also Exodus 2 and 1 Peter 2. The, um, the theme for the morning, uh, for the, the days leading up to the fourth Sunday of Easter, um, are, um, the, uh, are, are most apparent in 1 Peter. I'm talking about the Gentiles that may align you as evildoers. Um, and it makes me think of the Beatitudes. At the end of the Beatitudes, um, uh, Jesus says, uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, uh, that you know people speak evil against you, though you seek justice or something. I can't remember the second part of it. Um, and it's really clear in in First um, Peter, um, and this is not entirely uncommon. Um, I was talking with Lord the other day about the early church, how they were accused of being atheists because they didn't worship the Roman gods. They're accused of being um, um, heretics and, and blasphemers by the Jews because they believed that God had come to earth in the, in the form of Jesus Christ. Um, and they also had other really odd accusations slung against them like um, being incestuous because they called one another brother and sister and yet continued to procreate. Um, but uh, there's all kinds of reasons that people might look at you as um, as having done wrong, even though it's really that you've done something right. Um, the Gentiles, when they malign um, Christians as evildoers, the author of this letter, at least, is saying, look, that's clearly not the case, but this might happen anyway. Um, and that he or she makes this um, kind of reasoning that it's that they've seen your honorable deeds, um, and uh, eventually they'll glorify God when God comes to judge. Um, so he diagnoses it as this kind of like, they know that it's really actually good, but they're going to call you evildoers. Um, and the other, and I say this is probably the theme because in Exodus, we don't get the actual story uh, that um, leads into this passage. It, the fifth, Verse 15 begins, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. And the it was um, the killing of two uh, Egyptian taskmasters, or one. I can't remember now. Um, and this is something that um, arguably is, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but the appearance is that he did it out of spite or rage. Um, but uh, in, a, in a nutshell, um, Moses has discovered that he's a Hebrew, uh, descended from Hebrews, um, and he sees a taskmaster or two, I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember how many there were. But he sees his taskmasters beating up on one of the slaves. Um, and he tells him to stop. He doesn't. So Moses kills the taskmaster and the slave gets away. Meanwhile, two Hebrews uh, who weren't being beat up see him. And they... Um, they aren't happy. I can't remember exactly what they say, but it's essentially um, like he's not one of us. Um, 
and it's this um, kind of complicated moment for Moses because he is one of them. And what he's done is he's rescued one of them, one of us, from violence by using violence. And one and and then a, a couple of of his own people have said, "Look, you, you know, you're not one of us." Um, and whether or not that's the right thing is kind of what's at question. Uh, if we have like this this um, absolute prohibition on killing. Um, and I think we do, then the killing was wrong. Um, but it's the appearance that I think is important. In Peter, it talks about um, they may malign you as evildoers. I don't think Moses was an evildoer. I think Pharaoh probably was closer to one because he knew he was being told exactly what was going on and he continued to choose the wrong path. Um, but Moses was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to rescue um a uh, somebody who was being beaten up and that somebody happened to be a member of a group that he just discovered he was a part of. Um, I don't think he's doing evil, but I think killing is evil. Um, and it's complicated when the people who saw it um, maligned Moses as an evildoer, someone out to kind of get something for himself. And then Pharaoh does the same. Pharaoh sends people to kill Moses because Pharaoh thinks that Moses has killed someone out of spite and hate and needs to be, you know, um, uh, executed for having done wrong. So he's being cast as an evildoer. Um, It's not nearly as innocent as early Christians being accused of being atheists or um, incestuous or whatever. But it, it does happen nonetheless. There's, you know, there's a scale. Um, people might just not, not like someone because what they're doing um, helps create good but gets in the way of their own I don't know, privilege or something. I don't know. There's people who hate people because they do bad things and there's people who hate people because they do the right thing. Um, and this is what this is why I say it, it reminds me of the Beatitudes and um, it seems to me to be the theme for the morning. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, um, but when I was in Iraq, um, I had a platoon sergeant who was a great guy, um, kind of a pistol, it was difficult to get along with sometimes, but for the most part, really enjoyable. And um, I don't know if it was boredom or what, but I started seeing him jump into a kind of role. I think he even said it was a role at one one point. He would kind of rough up um, uh, somebody that we were interrogating um, who was handcuffed. Nothing too harsh, like just kind of yelling in his face. And I don't remember him hitting anybody. Um, but then one night, we were in, um, this is Mosul. Yeah, I think it was in Mosul. And there was a curfew and... and um, somebody was out past curfew and a couple of the grunts in the car and the vehicle in front of us got out to question him and I don't remember but it escalated and then the first sergeant uh, this this guy um, gets out because he's in the, the passenger seat of the car that I'm driving I don't know why he, he wanted me as his driver it was really annoying and um, then they did start beating this person up who was out past curfew 
And I was trying to stop it. I, I think I yelled outside the vehicle that somebody was on the radio or something, some kind of excuse to get them going. And um, when things finally stopped, uh, the guy got back in the vehicle and I said with my, um, my firing hand on my pistol grip, on my M4, I said, um, next time if you don't stop it, I will. And um, what I was saying and what I think was clear was that I'm going to shoot you if I see something like that again and you don't stop it. Um, and on its face, that seems it, is, it was a threat. Um, and it was a threat to do violence. Um, and yet it was a threat to do violence in order to um, intervene in something that is wrong. And oddly enough, that's one of my proudest moments in Iraq was taking a stand. I mean, it wasn't a perfect stand, um, but it was something that I thought was, uh, I, don't, I don't think I thought it was good at the time either. It was just important to intervene. And that was the option I had. Um, and so these actions that we take are morally complicated. Um, not just in war, you know, in hospitals, you know, who gets ventilators? Um, every life is precious, but we do not have enough ventilators. How do you make choices to maximize the good in a situation like that? And I, I haven't heard any directly, but I know that it's happening, that doctors are making choices to remove people from ventilators who are not dead, um, who later die um, in order to give a ventilator to someone who's more likely to recover than the person that it was taken from. Um, and that may, that may lead people to um, malign that doctor as an evildoer. Um, and this is part of the story of the people of God, of, of struggling. Israel means one who struggles with God and man. Of struggling to do the right thing in a world that makes it easier to do the wrong thing. In a world that is not black and white, but is, you know, millions of shades of gray and all the colors of the rainbow. Um, and so this, this, this week we, we hear about um, people being maligned as evildoers. Um, but it's reality. The reality is often much more complicated than that. Prayer for the Oppressed from the Book of Common Prayer Look with pity, O Heavenly Father, upon the people in this land who live with injustice, terror, disease, and death as their constant companions. Have mercy upon us. Help us to eliminate our cruelty to those, to these our neighbors. Strengthen those who spend their lives establishing equal protection of the law and equal opportunities for all and grant that every one of us may enjoy a fair portion of the riches of this land. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, 
you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor Morning Prayer for Pew Pew People with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.